Welcome, welcome back to another episode of the Real Solution Podcast. Hey, y'all. Woohoo! It is your favorite rule breaker, Brandon, and the lovely redheaded woman on the other end is our wonderful redhead. Hello, darling. How are you? I'm a wonderful dear, and yourself? I am grand. It's a Sunday. It's a new start of the week. It's almost Thanksgiving. It is, and after tonight, tomorrow, I'm on the beach. Look at you, getting a little Thanksgiving vacation. Thanksgiving Day is supposed to be between 76 and 78 degrees, partly sunny. <sighs> you don't know how Adult to Adult beverages. I know. <laughs> I talked to my sister tonight because we're doing, it's our first Thanksgiving as uh, our families together for almost 20 years. Yeah, so you're going to have a good time. So, yeah, so she called tonight, and they've put, since I got the house there, getting the food and stuff, and she's like, well, do your girls like this, and do they like that? And I said, let me tell you something. We have absolutely no predetermined agenda for this, (laughs) except to get the hell away from home. I know that's right. That's how you vacation. Exactly. I said, so... Whatever food we have, there's stores locally. I said, I just want one night in a really good seafood restaurant. Good. And I'm happy. You got to have family night. I love family dinner. That's part of vacation. Yep. And so we're doing actually the traditional Thanksgiving. We're having turkey and ham and dressing and potatoes and vegetables. And um, my niece is a new mom. And so she has been staying home with her baby and so she's gotten into cooking so they're bringing all the stuff and we're gonna bake cookies and everything else it'll be wonderful wonderful well i know you are excited let's get this show on the road so that way you can rush off to the beach and torment me with pictures all week of course (laughs) (laughs) well listen guys we haven't done one of these in a while let's give you our favorite little task to do a real world review Yay! Um, woo, woo. This real world review is featuring Trump Card, which is a documentary that is currently airing via um, Amazon Prime Video. Um, so I want to make sure I give you this little description of it correctly before I just (laughs) I want you to see what they call Trump card before I actually kind of describe it so it says oh wow I lost my my voice there it's uh, from a documentary filmmaker Dinesh D'Souza who also um, produced the 2016 uh, showing of Obama's America I'm assuming that's another one of his documentaries Um, And it comes the definitive expose of socialism, what's behind it, why it's evil, and how to stop it. So off the center, it's telling you it's anti-socialism. So we both watched this documentary um, at two separate times. You know, I I can already tell you, I, I didn't hate it, but it is, it did not convince me of anything 
I actually thought it was poorly created. Um, I think a lot of it was staged. Well, and I think part of it was the name itself. It was a documentary. It was supposed to be, I think, more geared towards Trump and his administration, which is not why, in fact, when I brought it to Brandon, I'm like, "Uh, you're probably not going to like this, but, but I don't want to do it because necessarily of Trump. You know, I don't think but, it gave me Trump vibes at all. I, you know, I think it was a play on words. You know how people say that your Trump card or right. this card trumps that one. I think it was a play on words. And it was talking about how this idea of socialism and its connection to Trump and all these other elements is supposed to be the, the Trump card of, of the American society. I, somewhere in those lines. So I didn't, I didn't think it was actually... Uh, I didn't think it was a lot of, not necessarily bashing of Trump or supporting of Trump. It was uh, kind of like a middle ground, honestly, right. as far as him itself. Um, the documentary is definitely a, a lot of s- democratic socialism and why not do it? Well, and um, Dinesh, um, I just became familiar with him over the last uh, several weeks um, because he's been on some of the I guess because of this documentary um, he's been on the podcast talk show what's that trail or mm-hmm. circuit that, that's it right um, and I've not found a ton of details about this but apparently during the Obama administration he was arrested for campaign what was it called um, they, they mentioned it in the beginning of the documentary um, it was like it, 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 wrong use of campaign funds or something like that yeah um, but there's not a whole lot of detail out there about it so I because I went and looked I wanted to be able to tell you this is where this guy is coming from um, the only thing I can find is that I guess he kind of felt like he was set up or put in the wrong place at the right time mm-hmm. I, so two things I'm jumping off the gate with one I just think it was a poorly crafted film as someone who considers himself creative I was actually really excited to watch it even though these are things that I see or have an opposition uh, view of, I get really excited when people say, hey, we should watch this. Let's have a discussion on it. So I was really excited to watch it. I have no predetermined concepts about it when it's called Trump Card. I was really excited. I do think it was a poorly crafted film itself. Um, I, a lot of it was, in my opinion, staged. Um, and I know sometimes I know sometimes going into documentary films, you know what you're going to want. Um, so there is a little bit of what you know staging involved. But this film in its entirety, it, it just was uh, low budget in my opinion for a documentary. It just was not it to watch. Um, I don't disagree. The second um, viewpoint that I have from it was that, Nobody involved in the interviewing process was of an opposition. They all, I don't want to say agree with his agenda, but there was nothing that he could have a a true conversation of. It was 
it was more of a I know these points and I want you to also confirm these points. So I wasn't impressed with anybody that was featured in the film as far as conversation wise, except for one person. I will retract that and say there was one person and one uh, series of, t- of talks that I could have a really conversation of. And that was, hold on, let me get my notes. Um, Andrew Pollock, who was the father of the young lady named uh, Meadow from the Parkland shooting. Yep. Um, that brief section where they were in discussion, where Dinesh and Mr. Pollock were in discussion, there were some very uh, good points uh, spoken there. And I said, that is what I could have a conversation on. Um, and that was where they were talking about the Parkland shooting and the uh, school-to-prison pipeline. I mean, it was very brief, but that was literally the only part of this film that I was like, there it is. That's what I can talk about. The rest of it, I, it's not that I'm in disagreement or, or like complete opposition against it. There was just no value for me. No value for me to take a conversation from. Yeah, it was very one-sided, which is the other reason why I kind of thought it was Trump card. You brought up a really good point that that was could it, it could have been a play on words. I think he was trying, for my take, I took that he was really trying to solidify things on the Trump side versus everybody else, because it's not like it's any one person on the opposition there's a lot of people on the opposition of trump right it was very heavy on the socialism thing which i think we should definitely clarify because you know (laughs) well it was supposed to be a lot between to show what the differences were we know what capitalism is supposed to be Mm -hmm. what socialism supposed to be got you and I, I agree. And it was very heavy on the. This is this is the this is what socialism is leads to, and why it's wrong. And I was I, I for me, so let's start um, with the beginning of my notes here. <laughs> <laughs> the first thing I said. Um, or the first part of the conversation on the documentary, they were talking about the American dream. And so one of the first things in my notes was that the American dream doesn't exist. Um, you know how I feel. I definitely feel that it is currently a facade. I won't say it always has been, but I think it's currently a facade. But you know what? Now I'm just going to address that. Here's why I think that is. Because you take it for granted. Elaborate. Not you. Not you specifically. A lot of the young people in America today who have that same feeling that the American dream is gone um, is because it's here at your fingertips. Not that you have it, but you have the ability to get to it. Nobody says it's a walk in the park. Because then I go back to the interviews and stuff I have done with people who've migrated to the United States mm-hmm. um, and I've talked about that quite a bit in some of our other episodes to them even with all of our faults and the things that are here the Egyptians were the the first ones that I had interviewed and they're like you know what over in Egypt 
their number one thing is to get out of Egypt mm-hmm. because it's very heavy, heavily Muslim anymore. It's becoming more of a socialist dictatorship, no freedom of religion, things like that. So when they watch TV and see the same kind of shows and commercials that we're seeing, they don't have that there. So they're like, oh my gosh, number one is to get out of Egypt. Number two on their list is to come to the U.S. They'll take Australia, they'll take Mexico, they'll take Canada, but they really want America for the American dream because they don't have the freedom to do that somewhere else. Here they can come and go, I'm going to open me a tobacco store. And in a lot of their countries, they have to have permission from everyone and their brother. And then they have to pay such high fees and stuff to even open their own establishments. So, that's very very true. I'm scrolling through my notes here because I I wrote some things about this. Um, Sorry to interrupt you. No, because while I do think it's... I agree with the statement that it is at our fingertips. Um, There is still an irony with that because the history of America also implicates that it's not been at the fingertips of every American. If you want to get technical, Technically, the white men that came over to America it wasn't at their fingertips either. <laughs> well, no, the British colon the British uh, king saw to that for a long time. Yeah, so you know it is at our fingertips. But like, like one of the statements I wrote here, we can talk about it. I wrote that the socialist slash left ideology is not a black against white ideology. Um, and then I wrote another point that was, um, it says, should our politics be determined by race or gender and their sexuality? That was actually a question proposed in the film. And I said, no, I said, but unfortunately white men have created it that way. So while this, um, it, it, while this American dream is at our fingertips historically in this country, it hasn't been for everybody. Because we have gone through, um, the biggest uh, the different the biggest thing I can point out is the uh, uh, the separation of race um, and the Jim Crow laws and the not be- the slavery thing th- that in itself historically is already wiping out wiping out that idea that it's 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 maybe it's been at my fingertips at my generation but I'm thinking from the beginning hasn't been. One of the things that I have learned is that, you know, that there, every single country has experienced slavery. The United States, um, and I don't, I didn't, I didn't plan to talk about that in this episode, so I don't have all of my statistics, but I will pull those and go back because I was, I was kind of, I was born in the 60s, Mm -hmm. so I was on the tail end 
of knowing about the civil rights back civil, then. Civil rights. I wasn't I old I enough. I couldn't get that out earlier. I was like, civil rights, that's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but I'm more familiar with it now. Most of my vision back then was based upon my parents, which we talked about when we talked about racism and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I was astonished that almost every country has had slavery but it's not but our history books have also eliminated a lot of it you know a lot of the first slaves that came over to the colonies weren't even black they were white they were indentured servants and that's because back then you know to pay off your debt they the courts could make you go work for somebody mm-hmm. and so we talked about some of that although slavery is a horrible thing please do not misunderstand what i'm i'm trying to say i i also think and now we're getting more into politics than i really wanted to right away <laughs> it's a known fact that the democratic party pushed the agenda of making people of color dependent on them that's where they started the welfare system um my husband grew up in inner city detroit which was he he was a minority in detroit so he experienced it a little bit in reverse um our politicians throughout history have created this separation and i believe i my opinion is that they continue to perpetuate it because most people given their own druthers don't they're taught those actions they're not born with those actions or Mm -hmm. or those thoughts Mm -hmm. those are taught traits and you know woodrow um Woodrow Wilson was horrible. Um, he things that he put in place in 1913 are still some of the things that create this separation thought. Um, but uh, the other person I was trying to think of, um, oh, was uh, Lyndon B. Johnson, because you can go on the internet right now and find where he made a speech to cabinet members in a meeting that said he would, and I'm not going to use the colorful language he used, <laughs> but he said that they they were creating these plans so that they would get people of color to vote for them for the next 200 years. Now, was he a white man? Yes. A sorry, sad sack of one. <laughs> Because you you know me, I, I I could care less what color you are, what your gender is, any of that. I may ask questions because I'm curious. Right. I may want to. I think that's why you and I get along so well, even with opposing views, because most of the time I want to know. Well, I. I <laughs> I, I don't even think it's as simple as you want to know. You have the competency to be knowledgeable, and I and I think a lot of people just don't. Because wanting to know and the curiosity part of it, 
I think is a whole separate talk than being educated and being informed and getting the information to make decisions about how it may affect you or not affect you for other people. But just wanting to know, hey, Carol, do you eat pecan pie? That's just me wanting to know. But me having a conversation about is there something about the pecan pie that you can't eat it? You know, maybe there's an allergen. You know what? There's allergens for your your family and people. You know, a deeper conversation. And I think those are two separate worlds for a lot of people these days. I, I, and you're probably right. I I think the other thing it it scares people. If I don't know, I don't have to address it. I agree. I definitely agree. Um, I, I, I 100% agree. It's definitely a fear situation. I don't talk about it. I don't know anything about it. But to me, that's worse. Exactly. And I think part of the problem and with some of the people I've had conversations with, because my big thing is I was not... When you hear me talk right now, you would think that I have been headlong into politics and capitalism versus socialism and black versus white versus Hispanic versus Arabic versus whoever else for years and years and years and years. But I haven't. And that's one of my biggest flaws that I have to make sure that my children do not follow that path. Right. We've been on autopilot in this country for so long that we trusted the people we elected to take care of us. Um, so I've, I, we've identified before that the political parties have switched from what they used to represent in the past. Um, but I did put this question on my notes here. I said, why all of a sudden is the Democratic Party associated with socialism? And... And that's a question for you to see if you can kind of elaborate. And, sure, you ready? Um, <laughs> but I want to. Re- I want to give one condition. I want to take away okay. the. I want to take away the the political leaders that specifically discuss democratic socialism. And that's fine, because here's the definition of socialism: it's a political and economic theory of social organization which advocates that the means of production distribution and exchange should be owned or regulated by the community as a whole okay can you give an example for those who don't know as to how that may differ from the capitalists they did that in the in the in the movie trump card under a socialist regime a corporation would no longer make any money all the money that would be earned by the employees of that corporation would divide it equally. I remember saying that. Um, I actually wrote some of my notes down here about that um, because it, there was a lot of um, socialists or anti-capitalists, um, and I find a lot of I find that statement to be false simply because. The capitalist world says you can be this entrepreneur, set your prices however you want to, make all this money. 
I'm not against that. I don't. I, I don't think a lot of socialists are against that either, given our current economic state. Um, but I, for me at least, the biggest representation is paying their fair share, like the rest of us. They gave an example, and I still don't understand how it worked, about another country who basically um, they're not on this socialist model. They're on a different model, and what it says is that their poor actually pay more in taxes than their rich. And I'm still missing the logic behind that, and I think for a lot of people it was- like... I think for a lot of people like me, um, as far as the capitalist society, it's the same concept. Amazon makes lots of money. Good for them. That's their product. They continue to get my money out of a lot of ways, including uh, Amazon video watching this. (laughs) But it's the fact that maybe Amazon may not be paying their fair share in taxes based off the billions of dollars that they receive um, versus me who makes less than $50,000 a year and the amount of taxes I pay. Just that, that I feel like that is the one of the top contenders issue-wise for people who don't. I'm not even going to say that they don't agree with capitalism. They, that's just their main concern. I don't think they have a problem with the capitalist society. I don't. Well, and I... Th- I think the problem comes in where, you know, Amazon's a perfect example because they were supposed to build a hub in New York and they pulled the plug on it. Mm-hmm. Do you remember why? Because they were going to make them pay taxes. Yep. And and I'm with you in that respect. I The greed has overtaken moral obligation and we've had this conversation. Mm-hmm. I'm looking up the Nordic model is underpinned by a free market capitalist economic system. And what the guy said was um, it includes a large number of state-owned enterprises and state ownership in public listed firms. But instead of charging taxes in that respect, he said that they tax based on consumption. So whatever you buy, and I'm assuming that's whether you're an individual or a corporation, you pay sales tax on that. Mm-hmm. See, under our tax system, um, if I buy products to sell in my store, I don't pay tax on that until I sell it. Mm-hmm. And I collect the sales tax from the consumer. So as a business myself, I only turn over the sales tax I've gotten from a person. Mm-hmm. And I, my understanding for the Norwegian way is that no matter what you buy, you pay sales tax on it right then. Mm-hmm. And I've said for a long time, even when I had my convenience store, that would be a much more equal distribution of tax Mm -hmm. instead of all these loopholes because when everybody was jumping up and down over um trump 750 dollars um and then came back you know what i made money when i had a corporation because as long as my corporation was still taking on 
the startup debt and losses. Um, that's why companies usually go three to five years before they can show a profit. Right. Well, just because the corporation was losing money, I still was being paid as an employee, so I got money back. One thing that they brought up in the film was how Democrats always want everything free. And they played all these clips about free health care and deleted student loans and free this and free that. My point to that was I don't believe that's true either for most Democrats that they want did free. You not, but did you not watch the Democratic primary? And that was an actual clip to the 2019 before they they chose Biden as their nominee. Mm -hmm. I actually watched that debate. Those were actually the things that almost every single one, well, every one of them raised their hand for Medicare for all. Right. I saw all, I saw the clips. I did not watch the primary. I saw the clips. I saw in in the documentary and what I didn't like about how it was used in the film was it gives the impression of these people don't want to pay for anything but those items that were listed compared to let's say the rest of the world or even let's say the American dream and how it's again perceived those are items that are essential to our current American dream that they that they that they implement you know, you can come here and go to Since school. Since when? You can come here and go Since to school. Since when? You can come here and go to school and get an education for anything. So, education's a part of that. The health Yes, but, it, but the, when you come here to get that education, you know that it's going to cost you, correct? We have that in place, but that's not necessarily true in like other countries. So I, I think that's I think that's where that's again the image that they're trying to say you want you want your education free you want your Medicare free but aren't these essential essential I'm gonna use the word aren't these essential items that not only do you promote in the American dream but then you've got other countries who are you you utilize these two aspects these are just two aspects the medical medical part and the, the education part that you utilize over and over again in political realms. You don't even have to consider the other country part. I just bring that up because we definitely look at other countries and their relation to their health care and their education systems. And there seems to be a uh, it seems to always kind of be unanimous that they may have free health care or an education system that doesn't cost. And then I'm looking at ours like, OK, so these people are wrong. You, you tell them they need an education to get somewhere uh, you promote it in their American dream um, but you want to make it well, the most costly process in the world for them but I'm, I'm confused where those are part of the American dream what do you think the American dream is what is it to you oh it's not anything to me because you know I just told you I, I think it's a facade but the way that it's perceived you can come here, you can 
open up whatever business you want to if you want to. You don't have to. You can work for whoever you want to. You can practice whatever religions you want to. You can go to school and be educated for whatever you want to. You can have access to uh, a different level of health care. They definitely promote that. You'd be surprised how many people come from out of country to come to these American doctors. Oh, sure. that I fully agree with that. And so all of those, as far as I have remembered, and the way that it's been promoted and the concept behind that, the, and there's probably more, but that's all I'm thinking of right now, have always been elements of being a part of your American dream. Well, here's what it says via the internet. <laughs> <laughs> And it, it's, it is, it says, the American dream is the belief mm-hmm. that anyone, regardless of where they were born or what class they were born into, mm-hmm. can attain their own version of success in a society where upward mobility is possible for everyone. The American dream is achieved through sacrifice, risk-taking, hard work, rather than by chance. Okay. That even furthers my whole belief of it's a facade to begin with. But they also brought that up in the film. I don't know who that young man was that was real young. He seemed like a comedian, little black guy that was in real good with Donald Trump. But he made That's Terrence. I've talked to you about him. He's on Facebook all the time. I can't remember. Um, (laughs) Him. Uh, Terrence K. Williams, I believe. I might have to look him up. Him. He that for he his whole segment was about that same thing. Uh, he apparently he had this mentality of I don't have to work for anything, and a lot of I, because he he started out in foster care. Mm-hmm. I, that's important to make sure everybody knows that he started in foster care. Did he say nine kids in he, the family? Yeah, there were his his mother had nine children. I'm still trying to figure I think that's an important component. I'm still trying to figure out how that played into his mentality of he didn't have to work for anything. Because that because that's what was pushed in the beginning. He was he was just a kid in foster care. He went from foster parent to foster parent till he had one foster mother and I forget what her name was, but I he does tell in his thing he actually has a book out right now that's called from the foster house to the white house Mm -hmm. um that kind of talks about his trek well when he was in foster care you know most of your foster kids just don't care but they they don't have anything Mm -hmm. because anything that they had they usually end up losing or they can't take it with them or whatever So this one foster mother told him and instilled in him, if you want something in this life, nobody's going to give it to you. You have to go get it. So then can we say that that whole idea of um, these kids not thinking that they're owed something, that they don't have to work for it, that they or that they are going to have to work for it. Can we say that that's actually an ideology that has to be taught to them? Yeah. Okay. Because I, and I I say that because I think and not just this conversation, so many people dog these younger generations, some of the millennials um thinking that they are just lazy, that they feel like that they don't have to work for anything, um that it should be given to them. 
And I am a little hard pressed to believe that for the majority of those that that's truth. Don't get me wrong. I definitely think there are some of them out there who don't have that concept. But then that's also why I said, do we not agree that that's also something that has to be taught to them? So how can we harp on them if no one taught them that? Because it, I guess because at some point we have to change it. At some point it was, we've had this conversation and you and I both have talked. My belief is that the color segregation comes from economic levels. Mm-hmm. And we have talked about the things that we can do in low-income communities to try to start lifting some of these kids out. Um, the schools in their areas are not the greatest. I'm down on public school right now anyway. Mm-hmm. Um there are too many teachers that have gone into the teaching profession to preach their agenda, not what these kids should be learning. You know what? If you want to teach kids, um, here's what Black Lives Matter is, that's fine. But I don't think that it's fair to uplift one group and then tell a kid you can't bring your Bible to school. And that's what's happening in a lot of schools. Um, and, and those are just two. I thought Antifa is one of them. You know, you have your teachers who, my son actually brought up a big point to me because I don't know if I've told you in some of these political conversations and conversations with history as I've gone through the Constitution again. He amazed me with the things that he knew. Mm-hmm. My daughters knew a little bit, but nothing like what he knew. And he said, I'll tell you why, Mom, because my teacher wouldn't open the book. He taught us from his own PowerPoints the real parts of history, how Congress really works, not what was in our history books. And my daughter said you know what he's right mom because i had that teacher for one semester that's why she knew some but not near my son had him for like two or three semesters so we're giving our kids over to the schools and we're not giving them tools i there's the and I guess maybe I shouldn't give the name of the school. It's a college prep school mm-hmm. right on the outskirts of Nashville. And they did a program that I volunteered for and went. And it's their kids having to go through the things they've done that semester and what their future goals were. I really feel for the teachers because. I think I talked to six students that day because each one was 30 to 45 minutes. And I want to say I talked to six students that day. Well, I take that back. I talked with three, texted with two, and just sat and smiled at the at the last one. <laughs> you, you want to know my position on that? Um, and then you can continue. You'd be surprised, though. I, I'm just going to give you all my own personal experience and what I believe. A lot of those, because my first point is, I definitely think there's a difference between a teacher and an educator, but a lot of those teachers, and maybe some educators, we'll see, The what you just mentioned there, and them teaching their own agendas, 
I'm going to associate that with those who are not teaching what they should be teaching. The majority of those are not in low-income, impoverished school systems. I say that from my own personal experience because a lot of those teachers in those low-income, impoverished school systems, teachers already don't make good money in the well-off schools. So the ones that are in schools that are not well-off, they clearly don't do it for money, and the money that they do shell out for their students come from their own personal accounts. But I have no doubt. But I say that because a lot of them are in those schools, not by, uh, not because that's where they're assigned, but they go to those schools to genuinely teach and educate those students. Not just the curriculum-based work, but because they realize. I spend years with you. I spend the bulk of the day with you. I'm you're my responsibility, and I have to make sure that you're getting out of life not just these books, but what else you're supposed to get. So, you know, in a predominantly black school system, let's say somewhere in Atlanta, they may be teaching you black. They may mention Black Lives Matter in a history class. But they're not going to tell you that it's wrong or right. They're going to say, do you know what this is doing right now currently and what it means in this community and what it means in your school and what it means in the state versus it could be somewhere in one of them county schools in Chattanooga that I've been to. And I guarantee you someone would tell you that any one of those teachers would tell you, you know what? Yes, this is happening and it's and it shouldn't be happening. It's not right. And they'd leave it at that. And so I, I genuinely believe, I think people would be surprised to know that those low-income impoverished school systems don't have those same kind of problems as what you just mentioned. Because I've definitely seen what you just mentioned, and it's not in the places you would think. Well, and now let me pick up where I was, because I, I do not disagree with you at all. Because what I experienced that day was those teachers don't even have the tools to teach the students. There were so many students, like I said, I had two that were pretty sharp. They couldn't speak a lot of English. They didn't understand a lot of what I was saying because what I had to do was go through kind of their portfolio Mm -hmm. of some main projects and things like that, essays they had written, Mm -hmm. things like that, where their grades had been, where they were, and what their goals were. Well, the one girl, first thing she was like, oh, hold, she just held her finger up and she started texting. So she overcame the language barrier right away. But what all three of the Hispanics said was that their issue was they don't know enough English yet to keep up in school. Well, and the teachers can't slow down to accommodate them. So what you're saying, I think, is exactly true. The things that I mentioned are happening more in your schools with a little more money time yeah. level of students these poor teachers in these inner city schools and especially like this one where i want to say um over a third of the school was hispanic mm-hmm. and if they weren't hispanic they were arabic and a lot of them could not speak english that right there starts them at a disadvantage I, 
they did have English as a second language but taking it while you're trying to take other classes in English yeah how do they succeed yeah that ain't it I, I truthfully think and I'm sure, I know we'll come back to the education conversation but they should have a year of uh, English as a second language exactly I, I just think that that that's just being the humanitarian part of it well and you know what above capitalism and socialism and any other ism we put in here we are all humans and I think we've got to get back to more of that um, reading programs things like that to help get these kids caught up you know then then you come back to the immigration thing are they legal or illegal teachers don't care right they sure don't and, and and I get that because you know I go to church with a with a teacher and she and I've had this conversation and she said at first she was so hardcore about they've got to be got to be legal got to be legal but she said when at the end of the day they're kids they didn't ask to come here their parents brought them why for this American dream thing mm-hmm. I agree it's up to our government to fix this immigration problem that's been going on for decades. Um, we talked about a very extensive reform bill in 2006 and our our delightful Congress people <laughs> couldn't even put their nose to the grindstone and make this work. And so right now, one of my frustrations with the the incoming where we talk about it's not necessarily socialism as opposed well it kind of is because it's the free-for-all they're going to open the borders again well we're just now to where we can start to fix the immigration issue DACA far be it for me to complain because he and his previous boss put DACA in place and left it for somebody else to deal with so you know what and he's going to do what they always do amnesty for everyone Mm -hmm. that's fine if you want to give this amnesty but I want to know that this is the last time you're going to do a free-for-all right we have to have some control over who's coming into the country I agree I think I definitely agree there should be a level of uh of uh I don't want to use the word control, but, you know, making sure we're doing it the right way. I want to be sure that the person coming into the country wants to follow the American dream. And we all know the dream, everybody's ultimate dream is I want to fly in jets, personal jets. I want to go to the Riviera, you know, that kind of thing. We all know we ain't all going to get there, but it's nice to dream about it once in a while. Mm Mm-hmm. But to be able to come here and start a business that somebody's not going to come and just take over, I was appalled at the Venezuelan thing. Did you catch that? Um, I don't. I can't remember if I did. Because that's that is who a lot of the Democratic Party is following. It started with um, Hugo Chavez, and I don't remember the guy who's in power now. Um, oh, the Mondero. Because they brought up a clip of, of of President Trump saying something about the Mondero vision or whatever. 
Right. And so in down in Venezuela, and the two Venezuelan women mm-hmm. that have that have immigrated here, if you on vacation and you go back, you're guaranteed somebody else is in your house. Yeah, I saw that. Now, to me, that's kind of scary. I don't want that. Right. If I work for something, it's mine. If I want to share it or give it to you, that's fine. But I don't want the government to just walk by and say, uh, I'm giving it to this guy today. Let's bring up some, some more points from this film, because this film had a lot of controversial areas for me. <laughs> um, it, it does. But I, I I will say the organization of the film, as far as the different areas, was was pretty spot on. Um, the next uh, one of the ones was the abortion uh, conversation, because this and you and you tell me what you know about this as well, and we'll eventually do an abortion conversation. But I one of the wor- terrible things I hate to see is this ideology that Democrats and liberals are just pro-abortion to the point of the, everyone loves to say, oh, they'll kill, they'll kill a baby when it's born. They'll abort a baby that nine months and is born. And I, I really hate to see that one because based off of my research, I don't, I don't think people either, they're just not listening on purpose to convince themselves or they're just genuinely not listening. But with the whole, um, the, I think the concept is called post-birth abortion, if I'm correct. Um, basically, what all of that means, and, and not your standard abortion time frame, but anything in like later months that people draw concerns about. After so, the first trimester. After the first trimester. Let's even go with that. My research and the information that I've been able to uncover is that this is not a free-for-all, just kill a baby, just abort a child at nine months. Nobody wants to do that, especially when they can see something that large. Some of them children be 10 pounds and this, that, and the third. What it, what I am seeing and what most of them, these sources that I've found are agreeing upon is that the idea behind a, a later abortion or a post-birth abortion is indicated upon if there's an issue during the pregnancy um, or something that could cause uh, life-threatening circumstances between having the child, um, something severe enough to where the decision may have to be made, does this need to be terminated? And those decisions are made and unfortunately that they're at a stage where it has to be done. Not just, hey, I've gone eight months and now I don't want this child. And that's the image that I really don't like to see. Um, whether people, you know, we can whether people agree with the whole abortion circumstances or not, I just wanted to make sure that I brought that point up because, like I said, either people are not listening genuinely or they're choosing not to because they don't want to agree with it. But you be I don't think any woman, and I don't, I'm not a woman, and I can't have children. But I'm logically just thinking I don't know any women haven't heard from any women even those that i know that have had abortions that say even at that term that that's just oh i just don't want it anymore i want an abortion no it has to be it would be under a circumstance where someone medically uh trained or professionally is determining we may need to take steps of termination because of there's a threat to somebody's life here 
Okay, did you, um, where did you do your research? I, I, mean, f- what- I found a couple sources. Um, I'd have to send them to you. That was just a simple look up about post-birth abortions, um, about why they were right and wrong. Um, and one of them was a scholarly article, but I'd have to find it. It came from a JSTOR article. All right, because I know that New York and Virginia both had legislation done mm-hmm. to terminate up to and including coming down the birth canal. Mm-hmm. So when I also have how many states allow third trimester abortions, federal law makes it legal to abort babies into the ninth month of pregnancy. Mm-hmm. This is a third trimester abortion procedure. While there are restrictions on abortion in some states, all states permit abortion into the ninth month for certain exceptions, which I think is what you're talking about. And and some, the church would hate me, in some of those instances, I can understand that. Mm-hmm. Um, eight states and Washington, D.C. allow abortion until birth for any reason. So, I mean, even though I think there's a, I don't know if that's a true clause or not, or if they were just saying that, but if there's a true clause that says for any reason, I I just don't, even though I'm sure there can be a case of this, someone's going to say, well, you don't know, but my lo- the logical common sense me is saying I, that I don't know a woman that would wait till nine months or even Okay, now let months. me throw this wrench into <laughs> your plan. And here's why, here's why I fight so hard against late-term abortions. Planned Parenthood is involved Mm -hmm. because once you get into these late-term abortions, a lot of the abortions are for harvesting. That's why I say for, I, I can understand with the exception, you know, that the church would not agree with that. Um, but I get if you have to choose between the baby and the mother and there's very slim chance that the baby would live, mm-hmm. but there's a good chance the mother would live. I get that. Um, that's a sacrifice. And that's a sacrifice that mother will have to live with for the rest of her life. Mm-hmm. Um, but when they're having late term abortions for harvesting parts and tissue Mm -hmm. and that comes we're going to talk about corona because of that one of the vaccines it's not pfizer and it's not Moderna. it's a third one their vaccine is actually incorporated with fetal tissue Mm -hmm. now i think that's a whole different concept than the standard abortion talk because at that point then you know but that's the problem with the standard abortion talk they talk standard but and they get this law put out there without talking about what the real reason is and then i would i would have the i would have the conversation of who those are affiliated with and who they benefit because these aren't just everyday average citizens that this is geared towards. You're talking about scientists and people in the medical field who simply want you to sign over these people or their bodies or their tissues for research purposes. And that's a whole different conversation because research has also gotten us to the point of where we are now. But then you also look at the fact of, well, at what cost does it come? 
Exactly. And and I totally get that. Yeah, we're going to talk about abortion in a whole episode or so. <laughs> it may take some more. Ex- yeah, because there's an awful lot of discussion around abortion. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I hit it from a, a, a very religious standpoint, but... As, as much as my religion is a part of me, I'm also a realist. Yes. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll have... If you have or make a mistake or have an accident or you just get caught up in the moment, <laughs> you know what? I'm, I go to the pharmacy. Take the morning after pill. Right. To me, you don't know if you're murdering anything. That's a 50-50 shot. Right. Well, but I even think about the circumstances. You know, I know a young lady who did not know for, I mean, every bit of the, uh, every bit of uh, two months, three months, something like that. I think what most women find out between four to eight weeks or longer before they find out and know. You know, I know some of them have this, mm, something's not right, let me take a pregnancy test. But I've heard some serious stories of, Apparently, I'm 11 weeks and had not a single clue. The doctor told me because I was having pain. <laughs> and so, you know, then I consider those circumstances. Again, I'm not a woman and I don't believe I should be making decisions on women's bodies. But I mean, I look at those aspects as well of what we know. You know, someone says you're aborting a baby at eight weeks. And I'm hearing these women saying I had not a single clue till I was 12 weeks because I had a pain in my stomach. <laughs> And I'm like, you know oh. me. I'm like, well, keep your pants on. <laughs> you know, the best way to ensure you're not stuck in that situation, because we've, you know, we've become a society that we've made it accept. That's where I have the problem. Yeah, I can sit here and talk to my daughter and stuff. And, you know, I'm helping to raise a grandson because she made a poor choice in high school well that's a conversation we'll save and we'll have because (laughs) it's called casual sex culture and hookup culture Um, okay very prominent amongst millennials gen z's post millennials and it's a very interesting ideology is it capitalistic or socialistic (laughs) (laughs) oh you got jokes I don't think either. Firstly, I don't think they care either way. I'm I'm pretty sure they're probably leaning towards the socialist side. Why? Because um, you're not you're not gonna like this. Free child care, Medicare for all. Oh my gosh! Yeah. I, do I think that we could do things better with our our? But. Here's my question coming back to those things, and and that was really the primary for all of the Democrats. And to say free child care for everyone, well, are you going to, you know what, you're going to pay for that, well, whether you got a kid or not. I haven't seen the free child care situation. I would like to know what that is in regards that's Elizabeth to. Warren. Uh, that's Elizabeth Warren, and she thinks that there should be free child care. I can't necessarily say I'm opposed, but I'd like to see what the basis of this is. Because, I mean, working Americans, what we expect out of a nine to five or a 40 hour work week. I'm just just trying to figure it out. I I get it. It all comes down to money and where is it coming from? 
Um, you also know I don't believe money is real anymore. <laughs> you know? Well, well, no, because we've blown that. We <laughs> China is going to walk in on us any day now. Um, but back to the. That's the one thing that I am concerned if we have a change in regime and I say if only because as of today the electoral has not met and they have not certified anyone to be president elect yet Mm -hmm. so I say that knowing that going back and looking if we change regimes he has committed to reversing the tax cuts one of the things in that last tax cut which wouldn't have affected you so you're oblivious to was it increased the child credit mm-hmm. now I'm, I'm I'm better with that than just saying free child care for all because it almost doubled the tax credit that you get for kids it went from I, I it just doubled. I don't. I can't. I'm afraid right. to give you the numbers. Let's say it was a thousand dollars. It went to two thousand oh, dollars. Yeah. No. I've seen how some of those tax credits can play a part for people in their taxes. Right. So I'm more obliged to seeing things of that nature. You get credit for it, mm-hmm. rather than just saying it's all going to be free. Because what happens is, where do you think the money is going to come from? to pay for these especially let's look at student loan debt okay i know that's close to your heart and i you went into school knowing you were going to have debt correct mm-hmm. correct okay now while i have two in school right now i can jump up and down and go wow wouldn't that be wonderful mm-hmm. but we're going to pay for it anyway mm-hmm it's just going to be all of us are paying for and I just don't think that it's fair for someone who has no kids in college or anything like that are going to have to pay a portion of that to go to school now Tennessee I can say has got a very good program in place Tennessee Promise which helps them pay for two years of education whether it's a community college and i didn't know this until recently but it's expanded it to um skilled tech jobs too oh that's nice yes i'm for that but the state apportions its money for that Mm -hmm. we don't tap everybody for that and i think what we're getting into and and everybody hates me for this but you can go back and do the research yourselves many of our democratic run cities are run poorly they do not take care of their money because and when everybody goes how can you say that well i can say that because look at look at downtown nashville and then um now you'll have to speak to but I'm not familiar with Atlanta. Um, but I can tell you some of your uh, your other cities that are more Republican. Well, let's just talk about South Dakota. That's being run by a Republican governor, and she is a number one. She just needs to run the country. 
some people aren't spending their money wisely, but expect to everybody else to pitch in now and bail them out. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's fair. Well, I can agree with Mayor that. Cooper's one of them. I agree with that. So, I, I mean, think, that's my biggest thing. I also think each uh, region's economic status is, can be, is different from the other. So, I think, I think you have to cater to each location. But I, I can definitely agree that they're probably not spending us. They're not spending wisely. <laughs> no, I think we can agree with that. I, and I think that, you know what, and I would love, you know me, I want to get rid of the two-party system. Mm-hmm. To me, there should be 10 people up on the stage who want to be president. Right. I, I don't think they should be backed by a party. I think we need to get back to more grassroots finding people with integrity and we don't just run them through the rumor mill to destroy their careers Mm -hmm. i think we need to look at what can these people do for us you know capitalism i think that we are recovering from covid much better and much quicker than anticipated because there are a lot of people out there with some ambition you know what i'm not gonna let this get me down um was it in that program? I watched so many different things. There was a lady who lost her job. Um, she didn't know how she was going to feed her family because, you know, when everything shut down, jobs were not easy to find. And she recreated herself. Her and her sisters started baking and cooking meals in their kitchen. Mm-hmm. Well, now that things are opened back up, they're opening a storefront. And I think under socialism, when you have your power at B, Cuba was a perfect example, um, and they did show that, you know, there are parts of Cuba that are are immaculate and and exceptional, but that's because where your elite in power people are. When you go out to the real places, they're not quite so pretty. Right. There, and I just don't want to see us get to that point. I, I agree. There's a few more things on my notes here I want to bring up with this documentary. Let's talk about this Larry Sinclair situation. <laughs> First of all, what was the relevancy to the film? Can, can you identify that to me? Because I'm still looking for it. The relevance was, and he said it, and uh, Dinesh said it, it's the media has become where they don't treat stories equally okay i did see that portion as well well then that leads me to my media talk because i there was a uh, and i quote from the film the media doesn't want to hear the truth that is the most ass backward statement i've ever heard i'm trying to figure out if the media doesn't want to hear the truth then what are they reporting who are they <laughs> I get well, where they were trying to go with the statement. It it just made no sense for the film. Okay, well, it went deeper for me. It opened my eyes a little more. Now, coming from my religious background, um, and I've had many conversations with my Egyptian friends because they came from a Muslim turning point in their country. Mm-hmm. You know me, I'm like, hi, how are you? 
oh really what are you you know just niceties well what I have learned about Islam Muslims there is no nicety they hate America they hate Christianity and they hate conservatism and we can go into what he said on there but the reason I bring that up at this point was because I had no idea that they were so deep into our multimedia companies now I I definitely heard the comments especially as they relate to Ilyan Omar and yeah, I you know one can believe that information because it seems like it all plays out. You know, you just have to show me the proof to stuff like that. Because then you could say that about multiples. You could say that about anything, honestly. Hey, I've got an insider in this organization, and we pay them in this way, and they give us info. There's a lot of there's a lot of there's a lot of organizations, a lot of people that could be said about. So I'd like to know what makes her so specific. All you all you got to do is get on the internet and do ten minutes of research on her, and you will find that out. Her Rashida Talib mm-hmm. is the other one. Um, they are both very anti-American. Um, they are the ones who constantly yell that we are being racist because we close the borders. Um, what well, you know? What there's a virus coming in from another country that we want to stop. Um, but uh, Ilya and Omar is really she is dirty news. But you I mean, just got. I, 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 I'm gonna have to look her up some more. I, I yes. know about her, but they were saying those comments pre-COVID. And so I'm trying to figure yes. out how this woman who advocates for, because to me, it's not anti-American. You, She's here under the same pretense of this American dream. Come here. No, she wasn't. She was brought here because she was a refugee. That was it. That is a difference. Remember, somebody who comes here because they've they've educated themselves all their lives and decided that this is where they want to go because their country isn't great anymore she was part of the somali refugees that were brought here okay so even taking that into account then there's someone that there's someone in our political realm that essentially brought them here you wouldn't want me to tell you who that was. You already know. <laughs> so, but the, I'm just trying to make. The, I'm just trying to have the conversation about the connection <laughs> of anti-American. Because she is. I mean, she she really does not make that a secret, Brandon. That's why I say in ten minutes you, you can get on there. All of the things that she says in Congress and that she has done has she really her focus is not the United States I'm gonna I'll do my own research on here I'm just still trying to figure out how someone who's a US representative is not American American. because she is the same the same reason that um, here's my other favorite the third of this squad is AOC Mm -hmm. the way first she she was not a politician she answered a casting call and they hired her 
that is a known fact you can you can investigate that and you will find her brother actually filled out the application for her she went to the casting call and she was selected she is in uh, a small district what is she brooklyn is her district a very large latino Mm -hmm. uh, population and she I think she was running against an incumbent or whatever she she got the Latino vote Mm -hmm. she didn't win by a whole lot the same with Ilhan Omar she's in a district that's primarily Somali so when we say you know that ethnic background works both ways you know when you're in those communities someone of that background is definitely going to have the upper hand i agree but that's that's how they got in it is not because they were boasting how great america was i don't think any politician gets there by doing that except for maybe donald trump and i'm just still trying to figure that one out too <laughs> I, again I, and people know I'm not anti-Trump but I, I, for a political standpoint I don't think a lot of them are proudly boasting how, ma- how amazing America is these days <laughs> well you know here's the, here's the thing because you know I did not vote for Trump first time around mm-hmm. I, I was not a huge Trump fan the only reason that I lean for him versus Biden is because the things he said he's going to do, he did. Even though it was highly up, what's the word? Highly opposed. He he did it. He ran on that platform. He said this is what he was going to do. Now, there are some things he did not get done. But it, we all know, I don't care what Biden up here telling you, he's not going to get everything through that he is stouting. None of them do. I don't, I, right, I don't think any of them, including Trump. Exactly. But, but some of his powerhouse things he said he was going to do, he did. Now, do I trust him as far as I could throw him? No. I still think that, I, I don't think he fully relinquished his... Um, Businesses. I think he still has his nose in there. I, I think he's such a narcissist that he can't trust anybody else to run his other businesses. You know, there's a and art- that's- there's a off topic. There's an article about a, um, a DA that has 61 indictments that she can't release until he's uh, out of office on the 21st. And that very well may be. You know, I have a problem, and my husband and I go tooth and nail about this periodically. Um, I can't believe people would vote him into office when he had so many bankruptcies. Yeah, that that that's it. <laughs> now I'm going to trust you with my country's money. Yeah. But but like we talked about before, there's checks and balances. Will I shrivel up and die if they install Biden? No. But I tell you what, I'm still going to continue to work like hell on the things that I do on the side anyway. I really think we need to get more back to the Constitution. If we followed the Constitution, a worry of socialism wouldn't be the issue right now. Mm -hmm. 
because the Constitution has carried us for years. Is it perfect? No. Have we continued to do things to make it better? Yes. Will we continue? Yes. And that's that's how I feel I will get through the next four years. I find it funny that um, you know we've you had a protest at your governor's mansion this past weekend. Yeah, they did, did you know that? Yeah, they had a lot going on. Yeah, um, and I think that 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 is the right of the people. I'm all for the protesting. Here's what I liked about your protest this weekend. Nothing got burned down. This is true. But people, you know, now, you know, I'm, I'm not, I play devil's advocate sometimes too. You know, people bring up the point of depending on who's protesting depends on what reaction you get. I don't um, give a damn who's protesting. Destroying somebody else's property to me is just wrong. Well, not even coming from the people who are protesting, it's the law enforcement that gets involved um that's the angle that they're coming from but speaking of that brings up the point of the young man that was in the documentary <laughs> said, bring us back bring us back <laughs> the young man in the documentary he was an asian man and he was uh doing some journalism and it was in regards to whatever protest he was at it involved antifa this that and the third and but this is oh yeah this you know the issue I have with that, and why I'm hard pressed to ne- not necessarily not believe him, because obviously I'm not. You know, don't get me wrong. I like I, I like to fight, but I ain't had to fight in years, so I can't condone that. But it was the fact of if you were video, you ain't you ain't no fighter. <laughs> let me tell you something. If any go, if anybody go digging up my record, baby, I got stories. You know what? You can ask my mother. <laughs> oh, she'll tell you. She'll tell you some good stories. Oh, I have. I have no doubt that might have been in your past, but that ain't you now. <laughs> Hello, I'm a changed man. Okay, I go to brunch and vacation. <laughs> That's what I do now. Wait, got to have my bacon. I'll throw a punch in a minute. I can have my bacon. My chronic bacon. <laughs> Correct. You know, thank God for growth. But this is what back, this young man, this is, this is what I had an issue with. If you're doing all this journalism and capturing all these moments, I'd like to see where the, I would like to see where things took a turn. Because you're not going to tell me that they just started beating you randomly. I would like to know wholeheartedly where things took a turn. Either you did something or they did something. And I just want to know. Did I miss something? Because I thought it. I thought the video showed the guy come up from behind him and hit him in the back of the head. You know what? And if somebody did that, how did we get there? Because people just, unless they own drugs, unless they own drugs, I don't think nobody was at the protest just walking up and swinging. So I would like to know how did we see I'll disagree with you because I watched too many of the videos where people were just walking along and 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 I and I don't think it was your normal protesters. I think it's the um, Antifa and Black Lives Matter, the more radical people. And so I hate the word radical, but I do believe in the word extremist. Um, okay, we'll go extremist. I'm good with that word too. <laughs> I, I because you know, and I say that because I'm around this out to the whole documentary in itself. I don't use any of the language. The language that is used in some of these documentaries and some of these media outlets, this radical left, this uh, radical right, 
all of that is derogatory. And if people don't see that, I, I don't know what to tell you. And, and so I don't engage in conversation that involves that language. I just want to address these groups like that. You can have a more liberal view. You can have a more conservative view. Same thing goes for your political parties. If you are associated with Republican views or Democratic views. But what I will not refer to these groups of people is these radical. I, I will use extremists because that that's a different context. And we do understand how some of these extremist individuals, those are one to two, three, four individuals out of these collectives. But this association of this radical left, I mean, you hear it so aggressively from these some of these news outlets and these articles. And these are how you're addressing an entire party or an entire demographic to use radical left to associate a pro-abortion bill, which then is derogatory towards women or people of color. Those are it's a trail. So I'm very particular on the language used. So I say that because. I do believe there were there are extremist individuals uh, in some of these groups that are just getting it all out there. I definitely believe that. I will not classify this entire group of protesters as radical left or radical right or any of that. That's just very well. No, that's what I was saying. I don't think it was your normal protester that caused that. I don't even think it was your normal protesters for the most part that caused the problems in a lot of these cities. Right. So, I mean, I've seen videos where they showed parking lots down the street with four and five Antifa buses and four or five Black Lives Matter buses. I, they bust them in. They're not local people. Right. And so I know there are some of those videos that we I don't I, I honestly it's not that I don't believe any of them. I I, I want to know how we get there until you can show me the the longevity of the video because all you see is these clips of people swinging exactly and throwing and doing this that and the third and yes it looks bad because oh it's a it's a pro Trump rally and you've got these people being attacked I need to know how we got there and so I just won't make these decisions based off of these clips because somebody had to do something. And then I also look at the differences between how are these protests protests handled? You know, I'll never forget. I told you in the podcast about the day I saw the the protest and the march in Chattanooga. It was just it was astonishing to see because that was the first one I had ever seen up that close. But I was able to witness the Chattanooga Police Department doing their job for allowing this Black Lives Matter protest to occur. But all they did was do their job and allow these people to march and they blocked off the streets and guided them. That's right. what they did. And so that's the difference between I'm seeing in this city that the law enforcement is doing their job. You know, you have to get permits for these protests, have law enforcement there. It's a part of it. They're there to guide you where you start, where you end. But then I'm looking at others and I'm trying to figure out why is at the start of a protest not in the middle when all the chaos is going on, at the start of a protest where i you have uh, guns in the military that they use in the law enforcement and they're dressed in their SWAT outfits and there's tear gas already being th- and i'm just trying to figure out how we got here that those are the discrepancies that i look at because i could care less that they protest you know what? In Middle Tennessee, there are still some Klan rallies. You know, the the Middle Tennessee state has shut down because of some 
strong groups that are racially charged. And, and, and that exists in that Middle Tennessee area. I've seen it. I've witnessed it. I've been there. But guess what? We can't stop them from protesting. They've done their part. They got their permits. They were able to protest around whatever area in Middle Tennessee that they were in. What my campus did do was say, hey, we just don't allow that on our property. That's a different circumstance than saying, oh, I've been discriminated sure. against. No, this is this facility. This isn't public property. This is a, a, a campus, a college campus with young students. And they saying, hey, we just don't allow this on our property. But it can happen wherever you've got the permit for it. So the protesting isn't the issue for me. It, I, I hate to see the manner in which it's done and, and the differences between them. And people, you know, I see a lot of a lot of live stuff on Twitter. I, I'm a very big Twitter person. And so, of course, you some you a lot of times get just specific parts. But what you will see is a lot of good points brought up. And one of my points is it's always interesting to see how some of these protests go untouched, that they can be committing crimes or whatever. You know, a man could get punched or this and the third. And there's no chaos. But you've got other groups who protest, who do it the right way. And I just try to figure out how we got to chaos, how we got to the rubber bullets and the SWAT outfits and people injured. So that's always the part that I'm like, I just need I, I need from beginning to end. Somebody is has a camera and it was rolling from start to finish and show me where. And that's what I was really bringing up with this whole film because not the film, but this part in the documentary. Right. Because I was looking for where it went wrong. If somebody walked up and hit him, okay, great, I saw that. How did we get here? Because either he was an extremist and was just swinging for no reason, or him or the other person did something that initiated that. I agree. Well, you know, we got burned with the George Floyd video. Now, before everybody gets all bent out of shape, I'm not I'm not nullifying what happened was very bad. I, I do think that there should have been things done that would have helped. Maybe he would have lived. Maybe he wouldn't. But the video that the media released was so horrendous. But then... Two months later, they released the time leading up to it. And I felt very betrayed. Very betrayed. And that's when you and I had that conversation. That's when I said, I'm like you. I'm not going to jump to conclusions. I don't know if, I don't know what happened before that. I don't know what caused that to happen. Right. Because as horrible as what they made the cops seem with George Floyd, they they were very compassionate with him up until he kicked himself out of the car. Now, do I think he should have sat there with his knee on his neck? No. But the man started screaming he can't breathe when they pulled the vehicle over and walked up to the door. Mm -hmm. His own friend said, put your hands on the steering wheel. He just wants your hands on the steering wheel. So, I'm with you. I, I, I think it would be worth knowing what happened in that five to ten minutes before the video started playing yeah we saw him hit him in the back of the head but you're right what caused it the only time i really don't question what happened in between that is when it involves children i have seen way too many documentation videos 
where these grown men and women are taking down children as if they are scum of the earth and to me there will be never be a justification you're not going to tell me that a 250 pound man is uh in fear for his life of a 118 pound young lady i just will never believe it i know that well, it depends on if she's armed <laughs> no, that one i that yes but specifics that I'm talking about I've seen I'll never forget one of the most horrendous ones I've seen was the young lady at the pool party and whatever happened that the police got called not my concern I watched that video of that man sling her down so hard and it was the worst thing that I'd ever seen and I'm nobody's parent um, but I will never condone that to children I, I just won't see it and the same thing goes for women you're not gonna tell me that this 180 pound woman is in fear for her life from this disabled man who is in a wheelchair, you know, that's barely 100 pounds because he's yelling at you. I just won't. That's the only circumstance that I'm like, I don't really care what that says. I'm watching this video. And typically those are, uh, what's the word? What, what's it called? Excessive force videos. Those are really the only, you know, that you can drop right. those. But that's the only time I'm like, I, I can't do it. And I think about, I think about your children. I think about, I have family members. I just don't. I just don't want to see people like that, you know. Because then, because then all of the Jesus out of me may have to come out, and uh, <laughs> you know, then I'm gonna have to go back and get baptized again. I just ain't, you know. It's a long process. <laughs> it's a long process. Well, let's let's go back to um, Omar. Okay. In talking about her, even if I take her out of the equation. Mm-hmm. In the times that we had a lady who came and spoke to us at church who um, left Jordan and Saudi Arabia because of the suppression and persecution, and that if you even were caught with a Bible, you would be executed. And a lot of the things that she told us were some of the same things that the Imam was talking about why they side do you recall his difference in conservatives versus democrats I do not is that the man that was in the uh, in the black you know? yes so I, I'm gonna be honest with you I can't recall nothing of what he talked about because I mean I it, it was all hogwash I, that was one and I'm gonna say I'm a, that to me that was one of the scenes that was staged and I could not get past how unauthentic it was to listen to the content. Okay, and well, so let just, me... I just was not there. Well, let me... Like I said, I'm going to go to it as... We're not talking about Omar at this point. Right. Just Islam and Muslims. Yeah. Because those things that he was saying are the same things that she was saying years ago. And what was the, I, the she came and talked at our church it might have been five years ago or better so there's a time span here she said the same thing over he, here she's now a, a legal citizen but that's how islam thinks they go in and want to further segregate and devise people and they do try to pick the weakest links. 
they think that the Democrat Party, as he said, the Christianity side, and because even the pastor even said, you know, you got to take the Christian out of it, the religion part out of it, because they have fundamental foundations. Mm -hmm. They have a strong belief system. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what Islam wants to disrupt is that fundamental system. Well, what's the best way to do that? To create chaos, to further diversify your, your people, because in the Democrats... Now, there's a fairy tale for you. I, I hate to say it, but they want to give everybody everything to get the votes. It's They're very... Biden and Harris both are very diversified in what they want to do. They want to give everybody the things that they want. Well, is everybody going to get everything that they want? We've already established no president going into the office is able to uphold everything that they promised during their campaigns. So it comes back to, well, what's going to be sacrificed? The Egyptians will tell you, if a Muslim tells you something, don't believe it. Because they're even told, lie if you have to, to get where you want. CARE, um, C-A-I-R, is an organization in Nashville. It is supposed to be kind of a unifying agency, I guess you would say. Mm Mm-hmm. But they really push a lot to not acclimate. And to me, that's something that's extremely important with this immigration thing. I would want to know who's coming in to the country. Are you going to acclimate or do you expect us to acclimate to you? Mm-hmm. I don't think you should be coming to the United States expecting to live the same life you lived where you were. You come to the United States because you want to do something different, something better. And I don't know if that's coming across right or if I'm making any sense. No, it is. It can get confusing because, I, you know, the, the initial idea is if they want to come to a better country and still if maintain some of their same beliefs, then yes, they have that ability. But I see what you're saying and it's you don't come here for for that you come here for the bettering i wouldn't want you to have those same ideologies that you know the middle east has and then you want to bring them over here what's the point so i got you well and that's what really disturbed me in the in the documentary was all of the men that they talked to um they don't want to follow american law they want to follow sharia law Again, to me, that was another stage portion because I'm we have a so there's a huge population of that group of people also here in Atlanta. Um, And so from what I know about that group of people and some of their views, that portion of the documentary I don't want to say stage. I'm just going to say it didn't seem as authentic as I wanted it to. Because I, I watched it, I, and they all agreed. They was like, no, we want to follow Sherry and I'm just like, and I watched every single one of them and who they were and what, what 
what the background of it was. And I was like, mm, I'm just not convinced that these people off the street is the image that you're given that that was the that that was an authentic answer. But it could be. Well, and I could be wrong. But yeah. And the only reason that I fall that I, I was good with it, and that's why it scares me. If you go back and you can get on the Internet and look this up too, um, Dearborn, Michigan, very heavy. Um, and they have uh, they have all but given in to allowing most of that city to live under Sharia law. I, I didn't know that. Yeah, um, it, it was one of the very first cities that um, had like an uprising type thing. In fact, if you go back and look at the videos, and I can't remember what year it was. Um, but it's been several years ago because, you know, my husband comes from Detroit and they're from the outlying areas as well. In fact, my sister-in-law lived in Dearborn at one point. She does not any longer. Um, but they had a festival or something that was going on. And of course, they had some Christians who were standing on the out skirts of the festival or whatever and they had their little Christian poster posters and stuff and at one point the police told the Christians you just need to go and move back um, another block or two because we can't guarantee your safety at this point mm. now how do you get to allow a group to be like that and the and and the ones participating in the festival were very extreme in some of their behaviors not nothing like we've seen you know in some of these cities they weren't burning anything down but they were definitely throwing bottles and and stuff like that at the christians um so if you go to dearborn it is a perfect example of the islamic faith trying to overtake the u.s faith right yeah that's the conversation more to come i i think there's a lot there um well i mean for the most part that's everything on my list I, there were like two things back to this larry sinclair situation i don't think i elaborated on that when i asked what the relevancy was i know we circled that back to the media I was more so talking about him personally, the relevancy, because what was that supposed to do to you if that is true? I was just utterly confused as to what Had you was. ever heard of him before the video? Absolutely not. And the point that I brought up, because I wrote that down, because I had never heard any of this prior to watching this documentary, and the concept that I came to was... I personally didn't believe that it was factual simply because if you didn't get any new circulation, then it was quickly shut down that it was false. But but it wasn't because I went I went back and researched it because I could not believe I had not heard of this man. And so for me, it it um, emphasized the bias of the media which is why then when you go to the Islams and the people who don't want things to come out Fox News is a perfect example Fox News used to be considered very right-winged very conservative but they recently changed ownership and they have started to shift to a more 
um, liberal agenda. You know, I, I still say that they did not treat the Russia gate the same as Biden gate. We still don't hear a lot about, but if you get on the internet, you can certainly find the, the Bidens are almost a crime family. Yeah, so, and I, they tried to bring that point in the documentary up as well. Um, and, and I researched that before this documentary. You know, I see the direction they were trying to take with it, but to me, I'm not really fine. To me, I. How are you going to prove that someone doesn't have uh, the qualifications for something? <laughs> he was a, a junkie, Brandon. <laughs> but there are a lot of those. Yes, but and there's another point. But they're not given. Well, how much did he make a month? Eighty-seven thousand a month, or I forget what the uh, there are huge amount of cokeheads in in Wall Street and in the New York offices and in the L.A. offices. So, to me, they were no different than him. If he if he was, I, I, you know, I I had looked into his to say that oh yeah, he was on drugs. Um, but I I was still trying to pinpoint that because they were saying. Oh, he got all this money from this end of the deal, and he had no qualifications, and he was on drugs. And I'm thinking, okay, so where's the rest of Hollywood with, or a New York or L.A. with no college degrees? Uh, definitely. But you don't find it funny that they're not disputing those facts? Because <laughs> I, I agree with you. That's how I would attack it, just the way you just did. How do you know I don't have qualifications? Right. And that's not what they're disagreeing with. <laughs> so what was the disagreement on? That he was getting money or that it was co- 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 coercion, cohesion, whatever? They, so. they, he knew, he, Joe says he knew absolutely nothing about it. That he had nothing in it. Mm-hmm. But when you if but I'm just going to leave that up to you to go back and do the research because the timeline certainly says he knew. All right. Because he, because uh, Hunter introduced him to the guy within days of telling the guy he would, mm-hmm. and then you have the video where um, Biden says they that they were not going to get their billions of dollars of aid unless they fired the prosecutor. Right. And sure enough, guess what happened? Yeah. They fired the prosecutor. Now you don't that. hear hardly much about that on the news. Right. I did see that clip. But yet, when it was the other side, that's all the news could talk about. So, so I do we, think yeah, I we, do think the news has chosen sides. I just don't think they should have. I, 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 I think there is some truth to that. Um, I'm definitely still reflecting on this Larry Sinclair in this uh, <laughs> in this uh, Stormy Daniel situation. Uh, just. I, I just, yeah. Stormy Daniels became a household name, but she was let's whoa, whoa, whoa. She was already a household name prior to that, <laughs> and I'm sure you can understand why. Well, I know what <laughs> I know what you're saying, but I'm telling you, I had never heard of her. Got you. Yeah, I mean, I personally, I just personally feel like Stormy Daniels was a household name before that. And you know what? In Larry's circle. He may have been a household name, 
because it wasn't it wasn't Obama wasn't his first little tryst. Right, that's true. So, um, and I don't run in those circles either. So either way, I was in the dark. <laughs> the only other thing I was real confused on was the gay man in the trash. And I couldn't figure out what connection that was. <laughs> I don't know if he was trying to say the Democrats don't. The Democrats don't consider. Oh, about uh, what the, was his name? Mark or something like that. I know who you're talking about. Not a clue. His I I took from him because that was a segment on identity politics, and they were making the point. This is how I took it. That because for the most part, your LGBT community are strong supporters of the Democratic Party because they feel the Democratic Party is more compassionate to their plight. But his point was, I don't need to have anybody identify me as a gay man look what we've all done that we can come together to do what the democratic party was not doing in the cities that they went and cleaned up i was astonished at the pounds of trash they picked up so honestly the pounds of trash don't surprise me i could say i might have to i may have to revisit that segment um based off what you just told me that logically makes sense um, for the film, I think it was irrelevant to be honest. Um, I know they well, brought his, up him being like you know a Trump supporter. But do you remember his last statement? No, he was irrelevant. I didn't pay attention to. Okay, him. well, and that may be the last statement that he made was because of the Democrats wanting to have open borders and things like that. He said, "I." How did he phrase it? He said, um, "It's." Imp- important to me to know that the people coming that are being let into the country aren't going to kill me because I'm gay okay yeah he did say something along those lines yep and he says I kind of think that's a pretty low bar to set Mm. and and so that was the biggest point that I think he was trying to make was the identity part I don't want I don't want to be known as a gay man or this or that I want to know that I'm going to be safe. Right. Okay. He did bring that up. The conver- I think how they try to lead into some of these points, they just did not flow because I couldn't figure out why we was having such a big discussion on trash in a documentary. <laughs> so I was tuned out. The moment he started talking, I said, I don't know. I, I got into the trash part and then we started and I was like, are you upset that the Democrats aren't picking up the trash with you? I just couldn't figure it out. Well, and that was part because he said we're doing what what they're not doing for their own cities. Right. So the only thing that I have left, especially as we wrap up, we are coming close to that two hour mark. Ooh, this is a good one. Our real world reviews usually do last this long. Yeah. <laughs> but the last point that I bring up is how they end the the documentary, and this statement blows my mind because they try to throw in a little bit of history, and I think their history is incorrect. But they, there's, and I quote, it says, Lincoln died defending the American dream against slavery. And none of that is valid. And I may have to understand what context they are referring to, but reading that word for word, I'm, uh, I, when I say utterly confused about that, 
Because what we know historically was Lincoln owned slaves. Lincoln was pro-slavery. Um, he did not want to end slavery. But whatever, and I can't tell you the specifics because I don't do wars, history, politics, none of that. But what I do know is that from my knowledge base and what we learned was that Lincoln did sign whatever order and treaty he did sign that would eradicate the slaves in order to uh, support the future of the United States, not because of his own personal gain. So when I read this and it says Lincoln died defending the American dream against slavery, something's not adding up. Well, you know what? We may have to do a whole segment on Lincoln because I get a different history on him. In fact, go ahead. I was going to say, and for the longest, uh, I did too. You know, a a lot of people would tell you growing up, they would say the world changed with Lincoln. Lincoln freed the slaves. And we found out that to not be the truth or not as fully truthful. Lincoln didn't free slaves because he thought it was right. He thought he freed slaves for the future of, of the country. And so he made that decision of what, because he was pro slavery. Lincoln had slaves. But in order to, at whatever his political realm was at that time, I can't remember the specifics. You know what? If it means I have to do this in order to save this country as president, so be it. We free the slaves and whatever it was. So I do agree. We, we probably will have to do some more, but. That's what I know uh, history-wise. And so hearing that last statement as that film ended, I'm utterly confused by what that means because those words just don't add up. (laughs) Well, because I'm reading this, it said, so no, Lincoln did not own slaves. He He did believe that slavery was morally wrong. And... I, that was the one thing that you and I talked about as a side note to the Constitution classes that I'm taking. Um, John Quincy Adams was the big advocate to try to get slavery amended in the Constitution, and he spent more than 13 years trying to do it. And when Lincoln was a brand new congressman, uh, Adams kind of took him under his wing and taught him the ropes and stuff and Lincoln actually is the one who took on Adams' plight to continue to push to have slavery abolished so yeah I want to do a lot more because I'm reading and hearing something different mm-hmm. and, I'm try- and I'm trying to read while we're on here but there's no, an awful lot. No, yeah, there is definitely an awful lot. Oh, wait, here now. This one says, yes, Lincoln owned a slave. It was, and then uh, he was a lawyer in Springfield. A free black woman came to see him. She told Lincoln that her son got a job on a steamer going down to Mississippi. When in New Orleans, he got off to sightsee. And, uh, but I don't know, is Quora very, um, And here's another one that says Lincoln did not own slaves. So, yeah, we're going to have to look into that. That's a very interesting plight. Yeah, because... Because um, it, it I want to make sure we're giving out the right information. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I agree. But um, 
aside from that, I mean, that covers, I think we hit every topic they did in the film. Um, we just did it better. <laughs> I, I, we definitely did. Because when I tell you, I just personally think that was a poorly crafted. Do- I don't I don't even think that's a documentary. I think he just wanted to make his own film about it. And I, I really, not for the contents, the actual documentary itself. I did, It was not it. I was tortured by the fact that I watched that. Not gonna lie to you, because I, well, I, I had high hopes for it. To be honest, <laughs> I was so well, excited. I said, "Okay, let's do this. Let me get a little. Let me get a little information. See what the Trump card is about. See what I may need to poke my brain around." I was thrown off from the, the get go. It was inter- I did learn some things, and like I said, the 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 section with Andrew was it Andrew Pollock, which is I think that's his name, Andrew Pollock, which was the father from the Parkland shooting. Oh, that's a conversation to have. The uh, prison, the school to prison pipeline, and yep. how he said that that school system Broward uh, allowed four misdemeanors in a year. Oh, that's a conversation. We can get down with that. Well, and what was it? Forty five calls. To this boy's home mm-hmm. and nothing was done how much could we have done in advance to have stopped that right i agree so i'm with you that i think that was i get goosebumps i got goosebumps listening to him talking i've got them just thinking about him talking yeah. so it, Although it wasn't the greatest documentary in the world, and it certainly, to me, was a bit misleading because I thought it was going to be all Trump all day long. Right. And then it started hitting. And like I said, the Islam thing, a lot of what this guy said, I have heard already, but you kind of go, surely... You know me, I like to find the good in people. And so the Islam and the Muslim part is very difficult for me. Right. And so that's something I, I'm still working on now because, you know, I just, how can you hate somebody for just them being them? Right. And and I still don't get, you know what, instead of wars where we send all these people out, just send the two presidents out and let them kick each other's ass. Whoever wins, wins. <laughs> right. I know. I hear you. <laughs> I probably will have to revisit that section as well because, like, I, I just, like I said, I thought that section was so unauthentic. I couldn't even get into the content of what they were saying. And to me, there were a couple discrepancies, especially when they were talking about Liliana Omar, how she was anti-American, but um, touted her as this good Democrat. And I was a little bit confused. So I may have to revisit that as well. Um, I definitely encourage, you know, like, like we said, it wasn't the best crafted documentary, but lot of different conversations that came from it that were brought up so I will say if it's something to uh, peek at your brain I encourage you all to watch uh, the trump card yeah because as as you just heard what we said we're going to do follow-ups we're going to look further into Islam and Omar um, I think that it's worth looking more into Abraham Lincoln yep. um, to see if we can get more decisive. Did he own slaves? Did he not? Just in this 30 seconds, I've, I find discrepancies. So hopefully we can get answers to that. Um, and what was the other thing? An abortion. An abortion. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We can have some serious conversation on that. Um, make sure you guys check out the website at www.therealsolutionpodcast.com as well as like, follow, subscribe on all of our social media platforms. 
Um, and your favorite listening podcast listening platform. Make sure you leave us a review. Like us. Don't like. Um, keep us up to date on how we can make this a, pa- a podcast better geared towards you. Um, we will and don't s- forget, we're now on Parlor. We're on Parlor. I'm slowly getting things on SoundCloud and YouTube. Season two is almost over. The year's almost over. By the time you guys hear this, it will be post Thanksgiving and soon to be Christmas. So I hope everyone has an amazing Thanksgiving holiday. Stay safe and healthy because COVID-19 is still rummaging somewhere in the air. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's COVID-19 somewhere. <laughs> it's COVID-19 somewhere. Um, but as always, thank you guys for tuning in to the Real Solution Podcast. And we'll see you on another episode. Bye. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Bye. Happy Thanksgiving.